evening, everybody. This is John Rappaport sitting in for James Corbett on the Corbett Report, May 15, 2012 edition. I'm going to be presenting some information tonight and a major, major breaking story as we go along here. The information is really about the matrix, what it is. This is a 10-year effort on my part, actually many more than 10 years, to assemble information, much of it from former insiders, about what we are dealing with in many aspects of what has been called the matrix. On my site, nomorefakenews.com, you'll see a banner called The Matrix Revealed, and that's what that collection is all about. And tonight we're going to focus on one of the cartels that has gained more and more power over the years on this planet, the medical cartel. And a story that I have been pursuing really for the last 10 years on the number of medical deaths caused every year in the United States. In other words, deaths caused by the medical system of the United States, and you can multiply that out over the planet because this is not just happening in the United States. On July 26, 2000, in the Journal of the American Medical Association, there was a review titled, Is U.S. Health Really the Best in the World? It was authored by Dr. Barbara Starfield, who at the time was working for the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. So the journal in which it was published, the author, the mainstream credentials were immaculate all the way down the line. And in that literature review, the revered public health expert, Dr. Barbara Starfield, who passed away last year, detailed that the U.S. medical system was killing 225,000 people a year. 119,000 in hospitals and 106,000 from the effects of FDA-certified medical drugs. In case you don't understand, you have to realize that no medical drug is released for use in the public arena in America unless it gains the approval of the FDA. And that approval must certify that the drug is, in fact, safe and effective. And yet, 106,000 people killed every year in the United States as a result of ingesting these medical drugs. This was not a literature review in the Journal of the American Medical Association that was discussing incorrect combining of drugs. This was correct prescriptions, basically, of medical drugs by doctors, killing 106,000 people a year. The press covered this briefly, and then the story vanished. I began tracking it in 2001 when an article appeared in the Los Angeles Times, authored by Linda Marsa, about the effects of medical drugs on the American public. It did not specifically mention the Starfield report, but mentioned other 
so-called medical experts, mainstream people with uh, perfect kinds of credentials, you know, this sort of thing. And so I began tracking this. And then I discovered years later the Starfield Report. And yet nothing has been done about it. We'll see what happened to that report when we come back from the break here on the Corporate Report. This is John Rappaport. Back after the break here on the Corbett Report, sitting in for James Corbett tonight. So we have the Starfield Report, published July 26, 2000, in the Journal of the American Medical Association, that states that FDA-approved drugs are killing 106,000 people a year in the United States. That, obviously, is more than a million people per decade. You can literally call that a holocaust pharmaceutical holocaust no question about it i interviewed dr starfield the author of this report in 2011 i asked her if the fda had ever contacted her after the report was published so that she could help them remedy the situation she said no i asked her if to her knowledge the federal government had done anything to remedy the situation. She said no. Remember, the FDA is the agency tasked to certify every single medical drug is safe and effective before it's released for public use. So that was something that, you know, obviously bowled me over. Federal government had said nothing. FDA had said nothing, done nothing. I said, well, your report, Dr. Starfield, was it ever criticized? Was there evidence given that would repudiate it? She said no, not in the 10 years that had elapsed, 11 years since it was published. So I began to write more about this issue, and I said, well, obviously, the FDA knows about this, they know about the effects of these drugs. The federal government knows. But there was no smoking gun that I could use to prove that because these agencies could always say, well, this is news to us. We just didn't happen to read the report, as ridiculous as that sounds. But several hours ago, before I was preparing, or as I was preparing to come on the air, this absolutely knocked me off the chair because I was given a link to an FDA page on their own website. And the story is up now at No More Fake News. And this page is titled, Why Learn About Adverse Drug Reactions. Write that down. Why Learn About Adverse Drug Reactions. Because if you Google FDA and why learn about adverse drug reactions, you will get that page right now. If you get it, save the link, save the page, 
it may disappear without notice. It is already, in a sense, a dead page because obviously it's for a link to some sort of learning module, and if you click on that link, it's a dead page. But the skeleton page remains. And here's what is on that page, and believe me, this is the smoking gun. This is a major breaking story. Here's what's on the page. Over 2 million serious adverse drug reactions yearly in the United States. 2 million. Serious. 100,000 deaths yearly. Adverse drug reactions, the fourth leading cause of death ahead of pulmonary disease, diabetes, AIDS, pneumonia, accidents, and automobile deaths. In other words, deaths from medical drugs are ahead of all of those other causes of death in the United States. That's on the FDA's own page right now, all of what I just read to you. Over 2 million serious adverse drug reactions yearly in the United States. I mean, when they say serious, they mean serious. They mean people going into coma. They mean seizures. They mean people suddenly dropping like flies. They mean heart attacks. They're not just talking about minor headaches or slight dizziness. If we started adding that in, you know, the figures would just be astronomical. Here is the smoking gun. The FDA knows. The FDA obviously had a learning module at one time that instructed people, professionals in the health field, about these facts. They state right here on the page, 100,000 deaths yearly, below the title, Why Learn About Adverse Drug Reactions. And there is no one else responsible in the United States for certifying these drugs as safe before they're released to the public. And yet the FDA is doing nothing to undertake a wholesale revision of the entire process by which drugs, medical drugs, find their way to the public. Nothing. Zero. Nothing of any effect. Why? Because the FDA is a wholly owned subsidiary of the pharmaceutical industry. Although they would plead that that's not the case. Because the FDA is compromised. Because the FDA is a functioning piece of the medical cartel, which includes doctors, pharmaceutical companies, medical schools, public health agencies like the FDA, like the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, like the World Health Organization, etc., etc., etc. All of these elements combine to produce unbelievable, horrendous, horrific effects on the public. Not only in the death figures, but in the maiming figures, as in Severe adverse drug reactions every year. Imagine, if you will, the ripples that spread out from 106,000 deaths a year from the drugs alone. The severe adverse drug reactions, the
the ripples spreading out to the families, the friends, the co-workers of all of these people in the United States, the emotional turmoil, the distress, the suffering, and ultimately the inability to think about anything else that is going on in the country, the inability to respond to crises, to perceive the existence of crises that the government is deploying, that the government is essentially operating, that corporations are operating in collusion with the government. Massive numbers of people every year in the United States completely unable to even begin to think about these things in any serious way. Again, back to the Starfield report. 225,000 deaths every year in the United States like clockwork caused by the medical system. 119,000 in hospitals from various misadventures, mistakes, all sorts of errors, screw-ups, frankly, in hospitals, and 106,000 as a direct effect of taking medical drugs that are prescribed by doctors. That's 2.25 million people every decade in the United States that are dead. And then if you look at over 2 million serious adverse drug reactions per year in the United States, every decade that's 20 million severe reactions. And the ripples from all of this. And now you know why so many people in the United States or any country are simply unable to respond to anything else that's going on in their lives. This is a major operation, and it's long past the point, I have to say quite frankly, where anybody can plead ignorance, anybody in a position of power to do something about it. For example, the pharmaceutical companies, the public health agencies like the FDA, the governments of the world, the CDC, the World Health Organization, the World Health Organization and the CDC made a gigantic terrorizing scare campaign of something called swine flu, H1N1 disease, a couple of years ago, if you remember that. And the final figures on that, which can be disputed in terms of their overstating them, but nevertheless, was approximately 20,000 deaths from H1N1 globally. And for that, they put the global population via the media through a gigantic terrorizing scare campaign that began in the spring of 2009, when in fact they know, these agencies, that every decade in the United States alone, alone, we're talking about the deaths of 2.25 million people direct effects of medical drugs, and 20 million very serious adverse reactions to drugs. You weigh the value, the seriousness of those two things. Swine flu, medically caused death. Swine flu, medically caused death. These agencies are completely aware of what's happening and they're doing nothing about it. What does that tell you? Well... <laughs> You know, some people like to be polite. 
<laughs> some people like to beat around the bush. I got tired of that as an investigative reporter a long time ago. So I have to tell you that at the very least you're talking about a charge of negligent homicide. At the very least. Think of it in personal terms. You personally know of what I've been speaking here for the last 20 minutes. You know it's true. It's documented. It's there in the literature. And you do nothing about it. And you're in a position to do something about it. You have the power. You do nothing. What do you call that? At the very least, negligent homicide. We'll be back after the break. This is John Rappaport on the Corbett Report, sitting in for James Corbett. Break here on the Corbett Report, sitting in for James Corbett. Well, at the very least, I said this is negligent homicide. But actually, you're talking about intentionality. Because if you, as a government or public health agency, are totally aware, as I've just demonstrated here in the smoking gun, the breaking news story that frankly knocked me off the chair here is the evidence that the FDA knows the effects of the drugs that it has been certifying as safe and effective if you are such an agency and you know if you are the companies that are actually manufacturing the drugs and you know if you are the governments who allow this to go on and you know Somewhere the buck stops. Somewhere in the upper reaches we are talking about intentionality. We have to be. Yes, it's a good thing that all these people are dying. It's a good thing that all these people are maimed through serious adverse reactions to the drugs. It's a good thing because it puts entire populations in turmoil. It allows us, the government, us, the colluding corporations, to control more easily this population, these populations, to put them under the gun, to bring them into the medical system in increasing numbers, and to prescribe the right drugs that are going to have these horrendous effects on them. And what, pray tell, in the United States would be the extension in present day of that idea, that program? It would be none other than Obamacare, the insurance plan that will cover everybody, under which, if you've been paying attention, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, which is directly over the FDA, will list all of the existing diseases and disorders that will be covered under the plan for all Americans and the treatments that will be permitted to be given 
for these diseases and disorders, which means more drugs for more people, for millions more people. And therefore, <clears throat> more deaths, more maiming. That is the hidden effect of the plan. Not something that you would know about unless you knew about the actual effects of the medical system on the citizenry. So, try to put on the shelf for the moment all of the propaganda, all of the press, all of the media coverage, all of the exposure given to positive, positive, positive developments in medical care and the breakthrough maybe, could be, should be that we can see coming right up on the horizon. Put, put all that aside for the moment and just look at the naked facts that I'm presenting here. What you've got is people in power who absolutely know and are allowing to happen this holocaust of medical drug death year after year, decade after decade, and now they want to extend that holocaust by forcing everyone under the umbrella of this national insurance plan in America where more of these same killing drugs will be prescribed to millions more people. That is the setup. That is what is actually taking place. And if you understand that, you understand one of a number of very, very significant elements in the matrix. One of a number of very significant elements. Let me put on the back of that the fact that Obamacare will cost over the next 75 years in unfunded liabilities, which means we have to pay for it. We don't know where we're going to get the money. We'll print it if we have to, but even that could reach a ceiling where we can't any longer do that. So in other words, we're not talking about the total cost a cost of Obamacare. We're talking simply about the unfunded liability over the next 75 years, and that, in a study that was tasked by Senator Jeff Sessions, came up with a figure of $17 trillion. Add to that other costs of federal government in America that are hanging out there, just hanging out there that have to be paid, not the full budget, mind you, but just unfunded liability, Social Security, $7 trillion, Medicare, $38 trillion, Medicaid, $20 trillion, and the existing current uh, federal debt, $15 trillion. You get $97 trillion. That will destroy the United States financial system completely. We'll be back after this break. This is John Rappaport sitting in for James Corbett. My sweetest friend Everyone I know goes away in the year. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
John Rappaport back for James Corbett on the Corbett Report, sitting in for James tonight. I realize, believe me, fully realize, the explosive nature of this information and the cognitive dissonance that it causes because it's not being covered in the press. And the natural reaction would be, well, if this is so, then of course it would be exploded all over the front pages of major newspapers and network television news. But it's not. So therefore, how could it be so? How could this be hidden for so long? All of these questions arise. But nevertheless, the facts are clear. And this also tells you something about the major media. The degree to which a story can be hidden and covered up when the facts, the statistics, the actual figures, the numbers are known. They're out there. They're real. They've been confirmed by, <laughs> in this case, the very agency responsible for creating those numbers of deaths and namings by the very government that oversees all of these programs. And so... I like to tell people, because I've had experience as a reporter in the newspaper business, that major newspapers will simply not cover this story, even though they know that if they did, and they made a water gate out of it, and pounded on it every day for month after month after month with new revelations, and believe me, there would be new revelations as doctors, frustrated doctors come out of the woodwork, as medical bureaucrats confess that they do in fact know these numbers and these figures about these deaths, medically caused deaths. The whole thing would snowball into a gigantic scandal that would make Watergate look like a picnic in the park even though that would boost sales of newspapers through the sky, newspapers that are dying financially like the New York Times, even though it would shoot up the ratings of network nightly news to unheard of heights, thereby permitting them to charge even higher advertising rates. In other words, good for business, folks. Yes, good for business. They will run away from this story like scared rabbits, because they are part of the matrix. They are a functioning aspect of the matrix. They are so plugged into this that they can't get out and they don't want to get out. They realize what the consequences would be for betrayal of their colleagues in the matrix. This is deep psychological fear that we're talking about. This goes beyond money. This goes beyond profits. This comes down to the very nature of the psychological, mental, emotional, and spiritual sellout that has already occurred long ago in the minds of these reporters and editors and publishers and owners and stockholders and CEOs and so forth, of major media companies. They can smell when one of these stories comes floating through the pipeline at them. They know, on the one hand, 
that it would increase their profits and drive them through the roof, would save them, literally. On the other hand, they also know that this, for them, is equivalent to a life-or-death situation on every other level of their being because they have already sold out their individuality and their soul and their independence and their power long, long, long ago. It's too late for them to go back. All they can do is tell themselves stories about why it's not a real story and it's not our kind of story and we did cover this once and it's not real and it never happened and all the sorts of denial that people engage in when they are face-to-face with, well, I was going to say an unpleasant truth, but it's far more than that in this case, as you heard in the last 40 minutes. And I'm just beginning to delve into this one single element of many in the matrix that I call the medical cartel. So let me move along to another story, and that is psychiatry. In in psychiatry, there is a Bible called the DSM, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is the list of all of the recognized, officially certified mental disorders. And every few years, by committee, Another edition is put out, and we are on the verge now, and so this is a current story of seeing the fifth edition, DSM-5. DSM-4 listed 297 specific and separate mental disorders which can be diagnosed by doctors and psychiatrists, and therefore insurance companies will pay for the treatment. So that's the financial reason that the DSM exists. But on a much deeper level, it exists so that a group of people called psychiatrists can impose on society an entire catalog of officially certified mental disorders and illnesses which they claim actually exist. Actually exist in the brain wherever they may be, however they may manifest themselves, they exist, you see. So some months back, I came upon an interview in Wired magazine, an older interview, December 27, 2010, Wired reporter Gary Greenberg uh, interviewing Alan Francis, F-R-A-N-C-E-S, MD, psychiatrist, who was the leading psychiatrist in putting together the last edition of the Psychiatric Bible, the DSM-IV. He was the boss. And at that time, he was hailed as the most famous psychiatrist in America, certainly in a great position of power. He oversaw the publication of 297 separate and officially certified mental disorders. And in the Wired interview with Gary Greenberg, December 27, 2010, Alan Francis said, quote, there is no definition of a mental disorder. It's BS. 
I mean, you just can't define it, end quote. He didn't say BS, he gave it the full Monty. How do you like them apples? There is no definition of a mental disorder. It's BS. I mean, you just can't define it. I'll give you another citation here. PBS, Frontline, major, major media, mainstream, an episode called Does ADHD Exist or Really Exist? Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. The interviewee in this segment of the ADHD program was Dr. Russell Barkley, B-A-R-K-L-E-Y, professor of psychiatry and neurology at the University of Massachusetts Medical Center. And he was asked about the fact that for ADHD there is no blood test, meaning there is no way to diagnose it through some kind of a physical test, biological test, chemical test, blood test, urine test, whatever. And he said, and I quote, a disorder doesn't have to have a blood test to be valid. If that were the case, all mental disorders would be invalid. There is no lab test for any mental disorder right now in our science. That doesn't make them invalid, end quote. This is, ex- <laughs> I mean, this is explosive, you see, because the public doesn't understand this. And in fact, even professionals will argue about this. But there it is in black and white. Definitively, a disorder doesn't have to have a blood test to be valid. If that were the case, all mental disorders would be invalid, There is no lab test for any mental disorder right now in our science. That does not make them invalid. I beg to differ, Dr. Barkley. That's exactly what it does. It makes them completely invalid. And in fact, when you look at what the DSM is doing in their process of deciding what to certify as an official mental disorder, it's all done by committee. They sit and they haggle. They talk. They have menus of human behaviors, you see, in front of them. Like they're sitting in a restaurant. And they say, well, if we see number one and four and six and eight together, that's a mental disorder. Well, I don't know. Maybe we should have also number nine. Well, let's talk about this. And they haggle it out, you see, and they put it all together. And they say, okay, yeah, all right, this is a mental disorder. Let's give it a name. What will the name be? Uh, oppositional defiance disorder, which, by the way, is real. I mean, in heavy quotes, it's in the DSM. Well, that's a pretty good name. I like that. Yes. Okay, so let's include the following behaviors, and let's stipulate that we have to see them uh, repeated uh, over a period of, uh, I don't know, three to six months, something like that, in order for diagnosis. That's all there is, you see. That's all there is, folks. There's no test for any mental disorder, not for schizophrenia, not for paranoia, not for ADHD, not for clinical depression, not for bipolar, not for any of these. 
No test. Zero. So people come back and they say, well, what are all these people doing then? They're walking around acting crazy. We've got to have something, you see. That's the counter-argument, very scientific, yes. Of course, people suffer. They have problems. They have pain. They are confused. All kinds of things go on with people. But that is a far different proposition from actually defining these by committee with no diagnostic tests for any of them and then putting it down in black and white and diagnosing somebody with that, quote, disorder and then giving them drugs which are incredibly toxic. Drugs like Ritalin. Yes, major toxic effects. Documented this many times. Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil so-called major tranquilizers or antipsychotics which are being used more and more. You put a person in that system and now they are in treatment and they are having major adverse effects. I'm talking about debilitating, horrendous, in some cases brain-damaging effects of these pharmaceuticals given for mental disorders that do not exist, to be frank and succinct about it. But yet, you see, there is a tremendous benefit to the matrix for there to be this Bible of psychiatric disorders because now you can bring whole populations under a kind of mind control that stems merely from the diagnosis. Forget the question of whether or not it's going to be a stigma anymore or it isn't going to be a stigma the person is now going to think of themselves as having a particular disorder with a name, a label, and they're going to begin to invent a whole scenario about their lives and their future and the limits of their life that are imposed upon them by this thought form called a mental disorder that has a name and a label that is attached to them, the patient. That's before even any drugs are administered, you see. And then, of course, once the drugs are administered and the patient goes back to the psychiatrist and things have gotten worse, the psychiatrist then does not say in the majority of cases that it's the drugs. He will then provide a new and completely separate diagnosis of another condition that is also in the DSM and prescribe even more powerful drugs for it. But as far as the matrix is concerned, we are looking at the overall population effect of the conception that there are, in fact, these 300-plus distinct mental disorders that really do exist and people really do have them, you see. And therefore, their futures there's the ceiling upon their potential, what they can achieve in life, how independent and free they can be, is all now monitored by the very notion of these disorders. And I emphasize the word free because this is the point of attack. This is the underlying point of attack on the population. The matrix attack on the population is to say, 
Oh, yes. We have this notion of political freedom. Of course, it's enshrined in the Bill of Rights and so forth and so on. But you see, actually, when we really come down to it, what we now understand through the science of mental health, the science of psychiatry, is that one's freedom is limited by mental disorders, of which there are over 300, and so the chances of you being diagnosed with one, particularly when you're now part of a national insurance program, you see, in which all of these mental disorders are given equal time and equal attention and equal play to physical illness, the odds of your being diagnosed with one or more of these is very high. Therefore, in effect, in reality, your freedom and power as an individual are very much limited by the disorder that you are suffering from. However, you learn to live with it because we all have these disorders. You see, we're all in the same boat. We're all being treated. We're all being diagnosed. We have to stop being so, you know, independent. We're really all part of this group, this mass of diagnosed patients. John Rappaport will be back on the Corbett Report after this. John Rappaport, back to James Corbett in our remaining minutes, and we have a caller, so let's have a question. Well, uh, John, welcome to RBN. Uh, Thanks. W- wonderful presentation. I won't take up much time. Uh, I've been on to this uh, criminal racket for a number of years. It was, uh, however, insufficient to save uh, my own members of my own nuclear family because every one of them lives short lives. And uh, because they trusted their doctors. But uh, I hope you will uh, continue with this uh, investigation. I'm quite certain you probably have in the past already, but uh, uh, at least along this track, because it certainly can be expounded upon greatly. I want to just simply leave you with this and your listeners. There was an article written called Scratching the Surface of Sovereignty, written by Margot Lane in 2010. Again, Scratching the Surface of Sovereignty, written by Margot Lane in 2010. It was posted at uh, lunaticoutpost.com. We only have a couple of minutes left, so you'll have to cut to the chase on this. Uh, one sentence. As an attorney, she exposes the criminal racketeering, which is afoot in the so-called legal industry. And I would, I would dare say, and I think you would agree, that the same type of criminal racketeering, which is which is uh, essentially a a, uh, a spear pointed at the American population, we are actually under uh, military assault. Is no different in the legal community as it is in the medical community. Okay, and thanks for the reference. Readers can good. look that up and read it on their own. I appreciate the call. In our remaining moments here. Just want to let you know that, as the caller indicated, this is just really the beginning of the exploration of the crimes of the medical cartel. They are 
far-reaching and continuing. And by understanding exactly the terms of these issues and how they play out and what the basic facts are as opposed to what's been presented to you, you'll have a chance to claim your freedom from it and not be enmeshed in it. That is the most important thing. For a much further exploration of the matrix itself, again, I'm an investigative reporter. I've been working for the last 30 years. You can find articles of mine at nomorefakenews.com. I will be here again, subbing for James next week, same time, same station. May have some more medical stories, but we'll move along to other things as well. And keep in mind as well, folks, that your doctor has been indoctrinated. As with every other profession, he learns what is presented to him. And the, educa- the education of a medical professional is so harrowing and trying and stress-producing that this person rarely has time to absorb during education anything outside the path that has been laid out for him. Then he has to pay back loans. Then he has to go into business. Then he has to make a living. Then he has to pay bills, etc., etc. He moves directly into the economic aspects of the matrix. And now, in most cases, it's too late for him to retrace his steps. And so he is going to push very, very hard to promote exactly what he's been taught and learn how to present it to you as if he knows in every single case what the truth is, because that's part of his mission. How to present it well, convincingly, authoritatively to the patient so that in every single case his advice is taken. He learns how to scoff at investigators who come in from the outside, who have facts that would torpedo the very basis of much of what he's learned in his education. But we move on because now we know something. Thanks for listening. See you next week.